So Pete, you want to tell me uh, exactly what started up, what started all this speed running again? Because I remember back in some of your earlier streams, you used to uh, talk a little junk about speed running. So can you kind of explain to me why the hell we're 100% speed running all the time now? God damn, Bovin. That's one way to start the podcast. It's been a while, by the way. Hello, everybody. Hello. Thanks for hanging in there. As uh, we've we've had quite a a little bit of a delay on the podcast, but we're back. You know, we're not we're not nailing down a a, a specific set schedule, but we hope to be back biweekly as we were in the past. Six months is a customary break, right? When you start. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> Every six months seems like a decent time frame. <laughs> that um, works for me. So speed running. Hmm. Well, as a matter of fact, I've been getting some other people in the speed running recently. I feel like that's my new calling is to rope people into the speed running scene. And uh, there's been one person in particular that I'm very proud of getting into the speed running scene recently. Really? Mia Chums, what are your thoughts on getting in the speed running? Hey, what's going on, guys? Thanks for having me. Um, my thoughts on speed running. I think, uh, Pete, I've definitely caught the bug for sure because... Now, when I'm even playing games casually on my own, I'm like, I wonder if I go on speedrun.com or whatever, what the time is for this game and what the categories are, you know, if if it's attainable, you know, realistic for me to do. So, yeah, it's enjoyable, though. But it's, here's the uh, thing, Meachums, let me ask what? you, because okay. beforehand you were a fan of speedrunning in a way, right? I mean, you did you I follow was. the scene at all? Um, A little bit. Not not too much. I I was I, I, I will say this is I was super happy when uh, P got into it. Really? Like you were saying, he he had he wanted nothing to do with it. Okay, yeah. well hold on. Let, let's bring a counterpoint in, Meechins, because you you were a you were old school speedrunning fan. Pete obviously yeah. is getting into speedrunning big time. But Futsvogel, hey, what what why don't you jump in on this? Like, what are your thoughts on uh, speedrunning in general? Because peer pressure, basically. <laughs> <laughs> I had to buy the game, so I'm still waiting on it. But I'm looking forward to beating all of your world records. So watch hmm. out. Wow, look at Foots Vogel's coming in hot with the speedrunning takes. Well, I don't know. I think we need I think we need another opinion into this. You guys, what do you think? I mean, so what about brunch? Can you tell me a little bit here? Because for myself personally, I mean I have some thoughts on speedrunning, both, you know, pre speed pre-Pete and post-Pete speedrunning, but what about brunch? What what are your thoughts on speedrunning? Give me your hot take first. Before I know brunch <laughs> brunch has dipped his toes in the speedrunning a little bit, so he's had the taste. It's <laughs> all your fault, Pete. Literally, Pete comes into my stream, talks me up, gets, I'd say within the first 30 minutes, already trying to convert me into a speedrunner. And so I literally <laughs> spent the next month and a half contemplating what game I wanted to stare at for uh, hours upon hours at a time. And so I picked my favorite uh, Adventures in the Magic Kingdom for the NES because I literally was speedrunning it before school without even realizing what I was doing. I was just trying to finish the game as quickly as possible. Luckily, you can do it in about 15 minutes. So uh, honestly, it was, it, it, it's a fun way to play a game in a different light. Instead of getting a high score, you're just getting a low time. So I think for people who are, are nuts to get you know beat their best score, you're just looking at it from a different perspective. Uh, Pete who the hell are effect. these people on our podcast, by the way? I don't know. You guys just popped in. <laughs> yeah, so welcome. Uh, we, we're doing a little expanding around here. We have three new co-hosts, Mia Chums, also known as the soon-to-be former world record holder of Flintstones. <laughs> we have Foots Vogel, and we have What About Brunch? Uh, wanted to bring in a new eclectic mix of 
retro gamers from Twitch that some of you are probably familiar with, and hopefully you guys enjoy. Uh, you know, I love Bovine and everything, but I, I felt wanted to expand a little bit. You know, get our own little stream team going on Twitch, and uh, you know, I feel like all of our personalities we have different backgrounds, different backstories, different tastes in gaming uh, from around the worlds, actually. We're not all in the U.S., so it's going to have different perspectives from uh, different countries, and I don't know. I look forward to it. So I figured this would be a fun little way to start the episode, kind of <laughs> throw some of you off that maybe don't keep up with our conversation on uh, on Twitch. You'll be like, "What the hell is going on right now? What podcast is this?" <laughs> but in all honesty, let's let's start with speed running because uh, obviously this has been. I mean, obviously with the six month break, there's been a lot of things that have changed since the previous episode, but I will say one of the things, I mean, there's a number of things we could talk about. It's a whole new year. There was a holiday, several holidays, and we didn't review any of the uh, October horror month games, but you know what, for right now, let's focus on speed running because this is something that I believe is, I mean, it's a good point of conversation. One, because it's overtaking the retro community. Oh, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, it is <laughs> overtaking our, our little retro community here, but as an overall, I mean, I feel that, one of the first things that Twitch was around for was basically speedrunning. Did anyone get that? Did anyone that's get right. that feeling from Twitch as well? Because that's like my first take on Twitch, where it was primarily like the place to go to see speedruns. See, I didn't care because when Twitch first came around, I didn't give a crap about speedrunning. Yeah, you were so, on the opposite side. Yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't care for it at all. I'm like, I'm never going to get into that. I'm never going to watch it. So I didn't really even me, pay attention okay, so to let's, it. Let's, let's get to the root of the issue then here, Pete. So tell, I mean, you know, again, you were, I won't say anti-speedrun. Like you said, you started out just wanting to do variety games, obscure games, casual playthroughs. Like, what was that thing about, you know, the speedrunning scene that just made you think, oh, I would never get into that? I think it was just, I didn't, I just didn't think it was for me. Like, I never tried it. That was the problem. That's the that's the one issue with speedrunning is people that think it's not for them, that's because they've never tried it. Once you try it, you can't go back. Like, you just can't sure. stop. It's an addiction. Uh, you know, I got roped into it because I started watching GDQ, Games Done Quick. Um, and I'm like, wow, this actually kind of looks fun because I, what I enjoyed the most was people's commentary on the speedruns and just how much goes into a speedrun in general. I think the final nail in the coffin for me was watching the commentary for the Final Fantasy VII speedrun and how crazy in-depth that speedrun is. And I'm like, oh my god, like, you know, I didn't even start off doing RPG speedruns, but that's another story because that's something I do know. I but mean, I just, I just was... like the behind-the-scenes work that goes into one, just the, the payoff, the dozens of hours, and then you do that one first speedrun, so gratifying. That's the insane part. I mean, it seems so contradictory itself. RPG speedrun. Like the idea, of, you know, running through a 40 to 80 hour game and it's quick. I mean, that seems so unnatural to me, right? Well, the thing that bugs me is people that say RPGs aren't speedruns. Listen, it's a percentage based thing. If you're taking a 60 hour game and you're beating it in six or seven hours, that's a goddamn speedrun. Speedrun doesn't have to mean you're beating the game in 15 minutes. It can just mean you're beating that game as fast as humanly possible. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't want to, steal the show here but i know rpg speedruns aren't for everybody uh, i'm getting into them though because i just love the work that goes into it the routing and the learning process and the note-taking process is by far one of the most rewarding things i've ever done in gaming hmm. like i was addicted when i did okage shadow king where i sat there for dozens of hours taking notes to do my first speedrun and having it come together and finishing a speedrun and then taking the world record in my second speedrun of the game 
just like I can't explain how satisfying that is. That makes sense. I mean, so for everyone else, I mean, that's kind of Pete's take on speedrunning. I mean, for everyone else, Futz, Meech, what about Brunch? Like, what are your guys' takes on your personal investment into speedrunning? Your, I mean, um, just what are your overall thoughts are? Well, just to start it off real quick with me, um, I planned on starting my speedrunning career when uh, Lucky's Tale came out. But, um, super Lucky's course, Tale. I, super right. Lucky's Tale. Yeah. And ran into a whole bunch of technical difficulties. I had like three cats. Tell me something that Ape knew about me at Chumstream. Exactly. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> but um, when I was watching Pete's uh, every uh, PS1 game stream and I saw Flintstones bowling pop up, I'm like, now that game looks <laughs> right up my alley. No pun intended. <laughs> and um, when it came in the mail and I was playing it, I'm like, dude, this game would be like super fun to, to uh, speed run. And then, you know, of course, Pete fanned the flames. Well, my intention with Flintstones Bedrock Bowling is to create an atmosphere of a game that invites new speedrunners, because I feel like it's a very easy game for new speedrunners. So I want to get this sort of, like, fun rivalry between the community going so that we can get new people in the speedrunning. That's my intention. And I think it's paying off, Pete, because you go on eBay right now. Shoot, I could do it right now. I don't even think you could get a complete in box copy. No, 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 no. I don't even think you could get a a Flintstones Bedrock Bowling complete in box right now on eBay. Well, I mean, I will tell you right now, all five members of this team, we all have the copy or it's on the way. (laughs) Well, for anybody listening. So what is your intention, Futsvogel? Is it to get in the speedrunning Flintstones or just play it casually? I'm going to try. Um... I'm not going into it with too many expectations. Um, I never did speedrunning. Um, the only speedrunners I knew were like Zelda speedrunners who put in like, I don't know, 20 hours into speedrunning Zelda Ocarina of Time. And for me, that is quite the commitment I was not ready to do. And like, damn, you, you play over and over again. And I'm not ready yet for that. But the Flintstones game was interesting for me. Because it was short. Um, it's 10 minutes. It's really short. And it reminds me of some, you know, mini games you played as a kid and you didn't get it on the first try. So you replay it. So you get, you know, you actually make it past the stage or whatever you had to do, like Crash Bandicoot or I don't know. So, so no, that's no why. Persona, no persona speed runs in our future then, Futsvogel. Is that what you're trying to say? Hell no. <laughs> Hell no. You'll, you'll get there eventually. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> you, yeah, you start with a 10 minute game you'll eventually start speedrunning Final Fantasy it's gonna be my gateway drug yeah <laughs> yep. what's your ultimate about. plans brunch with Flintstones I know you got your copy coming or coming or you got it maybe already I'm not sure no it's it's on the way uh, I'm, I'm excited to give it a go I mean honestly when you explain and when I watch you speedrun an RPG Pete it looks interesting I'm I'm enthralled to watch you develop your speedrun but for me I don't think I could ever do a multi-hour I watched uh, last uh AGDQ, the uh, the uh, Super Mario Sunshine, and I was just blown away by the amount of skill, amount of time that went into that, and the amount of in the moment, uh, just amazing focus that would need to be attained in order to complete some of those strats. It's just I don't think I have that. So when I do my ten minute speed run in Adventures in the Magic Kingdom, and uh, and eventually on Flintstones, that excites me. But the long term, the the grind, I can see what you're talking about as far as the satisfaction of doing it and getting that world record. But I don't know if I personally have that focus 
or that ability to uh to, to stay with it I'm, I'm i'm a true variety streamer so to look at a, a speed run that i have to do multiple times in a week to get anywhere near as good as i need to get on that board it just, for me at this point in my speed running i'm not going to be presumptuous like uh mediums and call it a career but <laughs> you can uh, always practice off stream it's true yeah uh-huh. Uh, so the truth comes out. Yeah, exactly. No, no, no. Practice twenty hours off stream for Meacham goes to bed, and that's his code for <laughs> practice. But okay, so that's a big that's a big point to bring up, though, right? In terms of, I mean, obviously, all of us as streamers here. Um, what is your thought on how do you feel that affects the way your streams performance goes? Right? I mean, we're talking about ca- all of us being casual, you know, retro mm-hmm. playthrough streamers, well, except Pete. But in terms of <laughs> when you decide to put together stream content and you're saying, well, let me dedicate a whole night here. And I, we can obviously aim this toward Pete first because he's the one doing it first. But you yeah. know, how do you think that comes across in terms of either one, trying to transition like an existing, you know, your existing audience who are used to a certain type of thing. And then you suddenly jump into speed running, which, you know, in some circles people would see as kind of a very distant thing. Yeah, you know, I agree because I'm the same way. Here's the thing. Like when, when people, when people host other streamers and whatnot, if I'm watching somebody, they enjoy watching, and they're like, all right, we're going to host somebody, and they host a speedrunner, uh, I'm still kind of like, I still struggle myself to just randomly tune in and watch somebody speedrun, because first of all, I have to really be into watching that game. So I completely understand, you know, when people are not in the speedruns, which is why I have to be very mindful about how much I speedrun. For example, you know, I have this back and forth going with me chums for the world record, right? And I streamed it two nights in a, in a row. And then Mia Chums took the record back and it's like, okay, I'm not streaming Flintstone speedruns for the third night in a row because I understand that there are people out there that while they will tune into a stream to hang out with chat and hang out with me, most people are not willing to sit there and watch three nights of Flintstones, you know, five hours a night. Um, and RPG speedruns, a lot of times I'll do a lot of my work I have to do for that off stream. Sometimes I like to give a glimpse to give people an idea of what goes into it, but I, I'm very aware that not everybody is into this. Um, and, you know, if there's a game that people seem to really enjoy, like Sonic R, I have no problem speedrunning it for five nights in a row because I know people really enjoy it, the majority of them. But if I ever speedrun something that doesn't really seem to take off, like, for example, Super Mario Odyssey, at the time when I did a speedrun of that when it came out, I was in love with it. Like, I seriously loved it. But people weren't really digging it, you know, mm-hmm. for a variety of reasons. Uh, people just don't feel like watching mario odyssey over and over so i had to make the conscious decision to just move on from it you know well, i have to it's keep kind of a weird thing right because you are yeah. almost combining what you a little bit of what you did before along with speedrun because it's one thing to to switch to speedrunning but you're kind of choosing to speedrun more obscure games in a way right too like things that aren't part of the speedrunning i guess plate of games because it seems like speedrunning out there it focuses on like very well-known uh, games like yeah well-known games right so you're in a way you're kind of maybe adding your own flavor to it by just picking i find it really <laughs> yeah believe me I, I find it really exciting right now to kind of like delve into games that haven't really been discovered yet for speedrunning. Mm-hmm. there's nothing more satisfying to me than finding a game that i can crack open and glitch hunt and then also break and speedrun. like for example the core gang on Wii. uh you know one of my less popular speedruns, i believe um in terms of like viewers liking to watch it but for me it's one of the most satisfying things i ever did because i took a wii game a wii platformer broke this game in half we're talking the first night i played it it took me about 10 hours to finish after i was done glitch hunting the hell out of this game there's only like one or two levels out of the 30 plus levels that survived without being broken in some way and now i can beat the game in just over an hour 
So the, the satisfaction of me being able to take a game and just completely dissect it and all of the work is my own and then speed running it and routing it. Like I just, I can't explain how fun it is to do something like that, but it's getting more and more tough to find genres. I like the speed run, such as 3d platformers that haven't been already, you know, delved into by somebody else. Well, it's an, it's an interesting choice too, because one by getting into speed running for anyone getting into new, I mean, you have that, you have that choice you have to make. You have to decide, well, let me decide to jump into a huge community that's already built in. Like, say, let me jump into Batman or Ninja Gaiden, and I'm going to jump right into, you know, the world record honors and try to figure out where my pace is. Or go the other route and just pick a game that nobody has ever speedrun to try to go through the experience of figuring it out, learning it, routing it the first time, and then going. So I think, like, getting into speed, like, for myself even, getting into speedrunning, like, I couldn't decide on what game I wanted to speedrun. So... Um, where did it came up? The suggestion came about from somebody in stream where it's like I the game Renegade for NES. You know, I decided when I streamed that game, it was one of my favorite games when I was growing up in the arcades, and I always lamented the fact that the port on the NES was such a terrible port. So I would stream it that night, and it, the idea got into someone had basically said, "Well, you know, if you don't like this game very much, maybe you should try speedrunning it because maybe you'll get a chance to." you know, get into the inner workings of the game and figure out. And it didn't occur to me that, you know, when you speed run some of these games, you end up playing them in a completely different way than what they're intended to. And you do learn a little bit more about the game than you ever wanted to, just because, you know, you're putting so many cycles into the game and trying to figure out the ins and outs. Well, the best thing about speed running, you can take a game that's otherwise pretty bad and boring casually to play. Like Spawn, for example, in Game Boy Color, that game's got some issues. But the second I started speedrunning it, I'm like, oh my god, like trying to beat these bosses and get through these janky ass broken platforming levels as fast as I can was really satisfying. Like Fritz Vogel, I know that you were really enjoying Gex on the Game Boy Color. <laughs> <laughs> now if you had to sit down and force yourself to learn how to play and speedrun Gex, I can guarantee you that you would take a game that you despised. Uh you know, whether or not it was your computer's fault or not. Uh, I can guarantee yeah. you that if you started to learn how to speedrun Gex on the Game Boy Color, you would enjoy that game so much more. You can take a game that you once hated and perhaps turn it into something you like. And that's something I would encourage, you know, maybe not getting into a game that has no prior work on it. Like, you want to find a game that you hate and then <laughs> go on speedrun.com, <laughs> find the speedrun for it, and see if you can learn it and see what that does for you. I'd be very interested to see how that would change your thoughts. Um, on a game like Gex or something, you know? Don't don't pressure me now. Don't please don't pressure me now. <laughs> well, I, <think laughs> I went back it. to it too. Um, but it, the game has flaws I can't deal with. Like it's it's way too unforgiving. So I couldn't deal with that. Yeah. Have you thought about yeah, any yeah. other any other games besides Flintstones, uh, Brunch, or Fitzvogel, or Meachums? Like in terms of what you might want to speedrun next, if you were to go back to it. Um, I'll say for me, um, 110%, I'm going to do Danger Girl. Because as of right now, there's no speedrun listed. See, and for you, that could be so satisfactory because yeah. you, you know, you've been playing a lot of the game. You can route it out yourself. Now, the routing, unfortunately, is it can be pretty brutal if you're routing a game that's never been routed. Because it's up to you, Chums, to find out right. the fastest way to complete these levels. But after you put in all that work, you know, it just it pays off because you see the end product, you see your time, and then you get better and better, and maybe you find a different, better route, and then you get someone that comes in and takes your world record, and then you feel motivated to get back in there. You know? Oh yeah, for sure. I can't wait. Honestly, I might start that soon. 
I think I think speedrunning has a bad reputation for people who are unaware of what it is. I'll be honest, I'm, I was one of those people. I I saw it, and all I saw it was is people just trying to get through the game quick. And as you were just talking, Pete, about how when you like to find a game and it has never been run and try to break it and find ways to make it, you make you go faster through it. You're literally what you're really doing is you're just creating a new game. And I mean, honestly, like I've I've read a lot of books on designing games because that's interesting to me. And pretty much what you're doing is you are designing a new game with a pre-existing one. And I think if people can readjust their mindset, their perspective on what, let's just say, game X is, they can have a lot of fun with that game in a way that they never thought possible. So I think I think for people who are who may not be into speedrunning or watching it or doing it, I think if you just readjust your perspective, like I did, um, and I'm not trying to you know toot my own horn, but I'm saying I think it's possible for people to change their perspectives, like you did. You know, you had a perspective, Pete, and you changed it. And I think if you just adjust that perspective, I think speedrunning might be for you if you've not thought about it before. So yeah. though, but what about? Like, what was the first game you tried to speedrun? It was Adventures of Magic Kingdom? Yeah, yeah and uh, I tried. I'm, I'm still trying. <laughs> so did you figure out, I mean, in part of kind of to tag on what you were saying, did you find like a different method to essentially play the game that you hadn't even realized when you were going through casual playthroughs the first time? Was it something where you found like new mechanics or some new way to approach the game? Uh, not at this point. I, I've pretty much, I, since this is my first game I've ever run, I've pretty much looked at the current world record, which I think most people do, and you, you make your notes and you see, and as I've been playing it, I've been, I think I've discovered ways to make it go faster, but at this point I'm trying to just get to the time that I, the best time I can with the current strats, and then once I've nailed that down, then I'm going to explore other avenues. But I mean, at this point, uh, I, I've not done anything to the degree that Pete has in terms of breaking but games. It's weird. Doesn't it feel weird to do it that way? Because you feel like, okay, here's the world record holder, and he's doing all the strategies and techniques that gave him the world record, but hey, I think I can find stuff that, you know, he didn't or she didn't find the first time around through. Like, it's kind of a weird thing. Like, it's almost like you're treading on someone's territory in a way. Like, we yeah. think, well, I think I could find something that, you know, hasn't been found yet. It's, well, it's I want to... It, weird it's, thing. It's a Capcom game, so I'm kind of curious now to go through other Capcom platforms to see if there are other game-breaking strats that can be applied to this one. I assume it's probably based on a similar engine to other... You know, Capcom is not remaking 2D platformer engines over and over again, right? So I, that's, that's what I'm going to go next, is look at other speedruns and see if there are game-breakers in those. See, typically in the speedrun community, though, Bovine, there's no animosity. Like, if somebody finds a new bug or glitch that cuts time out, it's it's reason for celebration. The speedrun yeah. community, they mm. they don't care if you come in and find something that trumps their world record. That they're excited about it. Typically, that was something I was pleasantly surprised with, though, Pete. I have to say, like like when I started running into Renegade, like when I posted my first time and it was like a top ten time or something like that. Like the uh, the moderator came in or he followed me on my stream and when I looked it up I said oh he's the world record holder so I went to go hang out in his streams it was super pitfro for Renegade and the guy was super nice the community everyone that was involved in the running like they were completely helpful in trying to like help me figure out like where the weaknesses were in my run where I can prove like that was the one thing that yeah, I'm glad expect. that was your experience I'm just thinking of me it chums this <laughs> glad that was your experience bovine well I picked the wrong, I picked a different game each maybe it was just where you start out with that I got lucky with because you. Yeah. Without naming names, I just I just find it so funny that okay, I've been trying so hard to get me a chums in the speedrunning the past few months, and then the one game he picks, he takes it upon himself to be like, you know what, I'm gonna try and get better at this game. So he's like, all right, let me contact one of the people that speedruns this game, you know, without naming names because we don't want to be doing name right. calling here. Right. He reaches out to this person while they're streaming, and they give him like this crazy attitude, like they were annoyed that he was there, 
Um, turns out that Mia Chum's contacted like one of the most toxic and hated people in the speedrun community. Yeah, and was I, recently I, I banned it, from Twitch. Yeah, I just thought it was so funny because that's never the case typically when you reach out to someone <laughs> from a speedrun community. They're it's usually called, very helpful. That's what you call pulling a Meachums, I think. Yeah, <laughs> that only happens to someone like me. Yeah, it was <laughs> very off-putting. I'm like, this person's a jerk. I will say, though, that the side effect of me finding games to like break and speedrun uh, it's really it's very difficult now for me to play these these janky games without the mentality of speedrunning them it's really hard i can't get out of it i'm you know, telling you i can't like, play a game without trying to look for glitches and it's i'm gonna so tell you right now pete still of course obviously i love your streams but my god every time you start <laughs> to stream with a casual game and it looks like we're gonna oh no speed running tonight we're gonna just go through what he used to do play through weird obscure games casually no it's, it's then you see me running and jumping into a wall let me see if i could clip thing. into the wall right here the very first thing yeah. you just see him go the opposite way where he needs to go and just start <laughs> running himself into the wall of the mountain it's like, oh, well typically what i do these days is i test I, I spend a little bit of time testing and i can tell right away these days when a game is resistant to glitching like i gave up on games like he-man on ps2 i gave up on portal run like i can tell these days yeah and might and magic that i streamed last night i'm beginning to be able to tell when a game isn't really glitchable so i don't you know i'll do some casual glitch hunting as i'm going through the game but see that's the fun part about it is i'm still able to play through and beat these games while glitch hunting them and in the case of flynn and freckles that janky ass broken platformer that just came out on ps4 um you know i i played through that game casually and glitch hunted my way through some of it and the cool thing is, I there's this little community now behind the game where we're all glitch hunting together. <laughs> Such a cool experience. We're we're breaking that game like you wouldn't believe. <sighs> That's how it goes. <laughs> I'm like, I'm, but going back to, I mean, so first of all, go in terms of speed running. Like, what was your? I know as an you were. I would say you were kind of like me in a way, right? First of all, where it's like you weren't really too tuned into the speed running communities or anything like that. But I mean. Mm. How does, what does that mean for you and your either as a viewer of other people's streams or even a streamer as yourself, of course, like the idea of speed running and how it affects like your community? God, Boba, that game... sounds like a job interview. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm, I'm so I got to let her know if she could stay on the podcast. <laughs> okay. Um, think as a gamer, somehow we all speed runners in some way, like, Sometimes you have like a mini game you have to do in a certain time frame and you don't get it the first time and then you have to retry like 50 times, um, especially if you're not that good. So I think we all have that, like, we like that challenge somehow. Um, watching it myself, I find it quite funny to see how a game can be broken and I'm kind of tempted myself right now as uh -huh, well to... Uh -huh. To, to see, to test the limits of a game. Um, I, I'm searching, like, <laughs> as someone who's uh, Believe me, a when newbie. You, when you find your first ground-breaking glitch, you'll be hooked. Oh, <laughs> damn. Damn, and, and that's what, what I find really amazing. I can't recall the game, which game it was, but, like, 20 years later, they found, like, this glitch, and everyone jumped on it, and... I find that kind of I find it amazing the the community behind oh, it. God. There was this maybe was it the glitch in Ocarina? There's this glitch. I think it was Ocarina. Yeah, it yeah. may have been yeah. Ocarina. Was it the one where they do like this 100 plus button combination input where they're like flipping and pausing Possibly. and doing all this? 
there's this insane I'm sure if people that are listening, if you Google this, if you Google like new Ocarina of Time glitch that uh, segments the community, something along those lines, there was this glitch that was mm. discovered that saves time in the game. It saved like a minute or something like that. I swear to God, I've never seen anything like this in my life. How somebody found this, I have no idea. They oh, literally crazy. sit there for about a minute to two minutes straight doing frame-perfect inputs by like pausing and unpausing their game and doing like this insane combination of like backflips, equip this item, move this way, move a frame to the left, move forward one, like move back one frame, uh, do this attack, and then as soon as you land, do a frame to the backwards, and then it clips you through like this fence. It's insane. Yeah, it's like it's, you're going through the wall. It's it, hardcore. I wouldn't want to speed one. Tool assisted had to have been. There's no way. So no, I think that. somebody. Uh, I think somebody it actually manually. found it themselves yeah. manually. Oh and here's the thing: it's so hard to pull off that like only one person is able to do it. So <laughs> it, it segmented the community because you know this person took world record from using it. I'm pretty sure. And then everybody else was like, "Look, this is like almost inhumanly doable." So it kind of like was this. I don't know where it is right now, but I think there's two different categories potentially: one that allows it, one that doesn't. Sure. The steroids of speed running. Yeah, no. the but, That's... but I think Fazwalga just blew my mind because what she's saying is correct. I mean, even as streamers doing game playthroughs, like even if speed running is not part of it at all, like I was just thinking about that. I was like, the reason I got into streaming was to make sure I, you know I was able to sit down and play through these games and go through them. But in a way, she's right. It's like you're almost in that first step of speed running where you're essentially forcing yourself to go through and finish a game, you know, mm, as much as you can. True. Which is almost like that first t- step of routing through a game to speedrunning. My God, now I'm thinking about it. It's exactly oh, what's no. happening. Yeah, it's kind of blowing my mind too. <laughs> the Pete Door effect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, yeah, but but it's true though. And I mean, like, I, I I'm I'm scared. I'm scared going into it. Like, I'm scared of getting like too much into it. <laughs> but well, like, believe you, once once you take a, a world record for me, comes. <laughs> <laughs> we, we can expect a full-time Flintstone, Flintstones uh, speedrunner on it. We're going to have like the entire the community streaming the same game the same way. Yeah, yeah. I can't <laughs> wait till everybody gets their copies in. Well, I think it's yeah, going to be too. so much fun, even if we just have a handful of people that just casually yeah. speedrun it. It's not so much going for the world record, because I'm sure not everybody has time to commit to speedrunning that game nonstop. But even if you just play like an hour or two a week, and maybe you improve your time by five seconds, and you move up on the leaderboard... Yeah, you know it's it's just a cool little experience for people. And as you step up, like you know, we're getting into the harder difficulties on Flintstones now, which are mm-hmm. batshit insane. God oh damn, they are crazy. Yes, uh, well, you know, there's always room to improve. In that case, I expect the world record holders to to come by in our streams then, <laughs> which oh, is also um, when I was streaming Fortified Zone, uh, a Game Boy game, uh, which I finished and just. Uh, eight hours. <laughs> um, there was a, actually a, um, a speedrunner who came in and he was giving me tips of wow. how I can glitch my way through. And I find this, it's <laughs> just heartwarming. Should have called him no backseat gaming. <laughs> no, but I, I find it amazing that they come in and look at other people playing that game and giving tips and how you can play it yourself and just, the community behind it, it's, it's really amazing. Yeah, it's like they found you just because you were playing the game. So wait, what was the speed run for Fortified Zone then? Uh, what's, what, like, what's the run? Uh, he, did, he did it in 21 minutes. And you took how so, long uh, to beat it? Eight hours? <laughs> <laughs> just... <laughs> 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 you give me very good tips. 
<laughs> okay, it's it was a hard game, okay? No, trust me, I streamed I didn't even finish it, but so <laughs> Yeah. <sighs> okay. So are does anyone have any other thoughts on speedrunning before we move on to the next thing? Cuz I, I mean, on one hand, it's it's cool thing. Like one of the things Pete, I know that that really gets you excited is you know, when you can build a community aspect on anything, right? And you talked about this before where if you weren't around for the first, you know, like release of a certain game and then getting around the community of just even playing and learning the game, like for example, like if you were, if you grew up when Pokemon was a big thing and that whole idea of like trading Pokemon, like if you weren't, if you didn't participate in that event when it occurred at that time, like it's impossible to kind of recreate that feeling at at another point in time after the fact. Whereas now with speedrunning, it's almost a thing where you can kind of create that community aspect uh, with any game, you know, and just pick it up and just, you know, get people into it, bring it in and have that competition going back and forth. So that's what I've been trying. I've been trying to find that like gateway game. I know this sounds like crazy, like I'm pushing this stuff on people, but like I tried it with Sonic R, but that's a little harder to convince some people. Because that game they look is tough that. mechanically. That's the yeah, problem with that one. It's, it's got a learning curve, whereas Flintstones, the learning curve pretty much just comes down to memorize where the pins and the birds are and just get good, you know, just get good at the controls at the at the bonus level. So it's a very easy entry game. It's not expensive, you know, 10 bucks. It's pretty easy yeah. to get to. Um, so, you know, I just finding a gateway game to get people in and then, you know, I'm always on the lookout for another game that would be easy for people to get into on a common system, common game, and kind of like rile a little community behind it. Uh, just get a few people that are speed running it and you know, maybe we can have another Flintstones bowling in the future. It is fun how that community aspect thing can really take off, especially within our smaller like Twitch retro community. I mean, obviously there's this other thing that's been kind of going around and being spread. I'll say it's being spread like a virus, but I mean, everyone's been jumping around. Like it started out with uh, someone doing play playthroughs of Sonic Spinball, which you know, it's not generally regarded as a really good game, but there was a challenge issued, and then now everyone was kind of picking up the game and trying to just. And there's no, there's no speed run associated with it or anything. Everyone's just saying, "Hey, I'm tagging you to now go through and try to finish this game," because apparently it's a tough game to complete. No continues, only three lives, and apparently the speed run of the game is like seven minutes. Completely oh, yeah. breaks the game. God. <laughs> And once it was, if Pete's going to pick it up, you know it's going to then turn into the speed run challenge. So. Yeah. I have no intentions of playing Sonic Spinball anytime soon. <laughs> I will tell you what I'm very excited about, though. I don't know if any of you are buying this, and I'm a little pissed because I checked my Amazon before recording this today, and apparently Amazon was like, oh, you got to change your payment method. Um, and I did. I don't know if it's too late now. I don't know if it's going to get here on the release day, but that Genesis collection that's coming out in like oh, two yeah. days. I, I've been dreaming for this for so long. You and me both. I remember when the the Sonic Genesis collection, when that first came out, I was like, this would be the perfect collection, because that came out on 360 and PS3. I was like, the only thing that would make this more perfect is if they had online multiplayer. Here we are, all yes. these years later, and we get all those games and then some with online multiplayer. So pretty much every Genesis game that's on that collection, anyone that had you know co-op back in the day is going to have online multiplayer now. Can you believe that? Mm. That's amazing. Yeah. So I didn't classics. even know that. Tony classics Arm and like Earl. yeah, Tony yeah. Arm and Earl. That's gonna be fun co-op. 
Golden mm-hmm. Axe Two. I mean, come on. I mean, but they've oh, had gosh. methods. They've had methods of playing those. Yeah, games yeah. But if you're a dirty emulator, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. But well, not everybody uses that. <laughs> but no, think about it. This this collection, right? I mean, because when it first got announced, I mean, obviously the multiplayer stuff was a big thing, and that's you know, there's also the Switch, you know, stuff that we can talk about too, where they're adding online, you know, that's multiplayer right. to these games. But when I looked at that list of the collection, I mean, for all of, or for some of us here, I'm sure, P, I mean, you probably have all those games, you know, regularly. There's a lot of rehashes in there. But the way I look at it, though, Bovine, is from a streaming community perspective. Mm. Now it opens up the world of accessibility for people that maybe don't have these emulators where they can hook up and play together online. Um, there'll be voice chat. We can have competitions like, okay, which group, like, which group can beat Golden Axe too faster. Uh-oh. Mia Chums versus <laughs> Bovine and Grunt, you know, puts Vogel yeah. and Bovine versus, you know, you know, for example, just like these friendly, yeah, co-op online speedrunning. Exactly. Oh, man. It's a new category coming up. I don't know. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I mean, they have fun modes in there, like reverse mode. Oh, yeah. play right. the games completely in reverse. And they don't just flip the game. They flip, like, the text and everything. Is it the same studio that did the previous uh, collections as well for the set? Because I, d- I don't know how well those play through. I never picked up any of those collections before, but how was the emulation oh, that the they previous, used? Uh, the first, the one on the 360 was amazing. The PS3, yeah, I loved it. Worked fine, all the games. Really? But they were able to capture like the sound emulation properly? Because that's the one yeah. that really throws me off, especially for Genesis games, right? No, because... they did a great job on all yeah. of them. Hmm. I'm kind of sus- I'm a little suspect of that meeting. <laughs> no, to- they really did. I, I can tell you that. So, because we're nearing E3, this episode is going to be coming out oh, about what two weeks before E3 or so. Like the press conferences will start in just over like a, I don't know what is it week and a half or so I think. Mm-hmm. So, how about we talk about some of our hopes and dreams and you know just as an example, Mia Chumps is like, oh, how would it, wouldn't it be amazing? If they uh, they came out with a new updated Mario RPG, and I, I'm like, all right, how about we take that a step further? What if they announced a stop motion claymation version oh, of Super Mario dude. RPG? <laughs> because one thing I love doing is getting people's hopes up for E3, and then they get crushed Having when they crushed. get no. That's none of those things. that'll that'll never in 20 million years ever happen. But the I mean, does E three still have that effect though? It used to. I mean, I know for myself as the E threes come, like this one coming up, like I feel. I mean, I don't know. I'm just not excited for them because I feel on one hand, and Pete, you've talked about this before, is just that you know a lot of the information kind of leaks out ahead of time, and it's like everyone knows exactly what's on the board. Everybody's trying to spoil shit in my chat right, right now. Yeah. yeah. But even outside of that, even outside of knowing spoilers, is E3 still a yearly event that as video gamers we get excited about? Like for me, it just seems like such a, it's just like a, a greatest, it's a list of trailers essentially that gets announced now of, of a bunch of games. And obviously, you know, the games is what it's all about. But I don't know, there was something about the previous, you know, as I was growing up and anticipating E3 events coming out, like there was just something that was much more excited about before. I'll just say real fast before I pass it off to someone else. Like I, I feel like yes, it is harder to get excited about E3 to that extent because a lot of things leak ahead of time. Mm-hmm. A lot of things we see coming. Um, it's very obvious what is going to be announced. But I feel like the thing that makes it more special now is being able to stream it and share the experience with other people. Like there's one thing to sit in your room alone and uh, you know before Twitch and everything and watch E3 press conferences. But now that you get to watch it with other people and see reactions in real time and get impressions from other people like, oh, that looks awesome. And, oh, you know, kind of like just the group mentality of watching with other people. I think that's kind of what still makes it exciting. I mean, even when we're watching an EA press conference or something and we're going to be bored out of our minds, at least (laughs) we can make fun of all the sports games together. You know what I mean? 
So for me, there's still that that fun aspect to it. But <laughs> yeah. I don't know, brunch. Like, how do you how have you approached E3 in the past? Did you did you pass on watching press conferences and just kind of like digest the news afterwards? How did you go about E3? Yeah, I usually, I usually watch the recaps or uh, read the recap uh, stories. Honestly, for me, there's not a lot of franchises from one particular. Uh, I, I guess console or one particular, you know, like I don't really care that much about all of EA's offerings. I don't watch the EA conference, but, um, I, yeah, I'll, I'll just process as the, the headlines come out. Honestly, I think it's a double edged sword. I, I know where Bovine's going. I'm with Bovine 100%. The E3s nowadays, I think, I think it goes back to what you're saying also, Pete, is that the technological advances we have as far as, uh, digesting information with, you know, all the internet, Twitter, uh, you know, Twitch now, of course, and every, everything that's coming at us, we can now, get information so easily and i'll be quite honest I'm, I'm maybe playing devil's advocate but i think these quote-unquote leaks are are planned events from the actual uh, information givers mm-hmm. to kind of you know pre-hype before the the conferences so they can get that jump start on saying oh this is going to be xbox's or not an xbox this is gonna be microsoft's e3 for sure look at all these leaks that are coming get excited so i, I kind of play devil's advocate when e3 comes around thinking that these leaks are you know not in fact true leaks but really you know very very fine-tuned marketing ploys um but yeah so i I think all these things put together i kind of i don't get too excited about e3 i kind of just ingest the information after it's all been announced you know nitpick nitpick through what i actually care about and and move on because you know we get all this we get a lot of information now look at nintendo direct you know throughout the year we get nintendo information you know we don't we don't have to like all just wait until this one magical month in june uh, week in June that we can just you know get Nintendo all the Nintendo Direct seems like the one that's pre-planned the most. You know what I mean? Because For they don't sure. care about leaks and they'll mm-hmm. tweet things out themselves. It's like, come on, you guys, save some of that suspense, right? Yeah. There's none by the time Nintendo Direct hits. Well, they, yeah. they, they they dance to the beat of their own drummer, as we know. Yeah, that's true. Well, that brings up the point as like, yeah, we have all this information like at our fingertips, but it's like we could choose not to digest any of that, like. Two weeks, three weeks before E3, anytime I see a glimpse of what could be a leak, I like back away and freaking run around the other direction. It's true. It's hard work so, though, Meachums. It's hard work. It can be, to, but you know what? It's worth Especially it. when you're streaming. Like, for example, that big leak about, oh, there's a new Star Fox game coming out that's supposed to be oh, the yeah. adventure mode. I'm yeah. like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, how? Oh, come on, Bovine. You mean to tell me you <laughs> no, avoid, you read, avoid you read all of your chat? There's no way no one brought uh, Yeah, for real. <laughs> Well, he's 30 seconds to an hour yeah, away from see, that. Yeah, so my mods will delete it ahead of time. No spoilers for me. So apparently there's this Star Fox game coming out that's supposed to have like an adventure mode. So I started philosophizing. Is that a word? Yes. Yeah, so we'll take it. Okay. All right. So I started theorizing what okay. this can be. And of course, I want to get people's hopes up. So the way I thought of it is imagine, <laughs> imagine if this was meant to be Diddy Kong Racing 2. No, oh, which did exist many years ago that got canceled. Mm. And they had this hub world, right? And you can drive around in the tanks and the ships. And they have online competitive multiplayer. And then they have clans. And, like, they expand this hub world (laughs) into this online competitive Star Fox adventure game. Like, just these crazy things you can do with it. It's strange to me that Nintendo uses Star Fox as that franchise to try a bunch of different things, right? Like, they did, you know, obviously it started out as a rail shooter. Good point. Try to turn it into like a free range shooter and then a Zelda style game or adventure game. I mean, what? I wonder what it is about Star Fox where they just said, hey, let's just use this as their experimental franchise. Well, let's be real here. If they called it something completely new, uh, I don't think all their new games and franchises would end up being a Splatoon. That just end up being a success. Yeah, if they called it arms. like uh, Assault, like, uh, I don't know, Military Assault, for example, 
No one would give a shit. No one would buy it. Just <laughs> attaching the Star Fox name to yeah. it, if it makes sense, is what why they do it. It has to, but it has to be so diluted now with all of those different exactly. takes of the game, where people are like, "Well, what kind of Star Fox game are we looking at at this point?" You know, when they announce it, are we getting the shooter version? Are we getting the adventure games? Like, but see, we expect that now. We ask those questions because we know full well what could be. So now, if they did that to let's say. Um, Zelda would be like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> Why are you putting this mechanic on Zelda? Zelda cart racing. You can, exactly. You could do I'll that. Star Fox. Like, I expected that. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Zelda cart racing. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> We're calling it. Calling our shots now. <laughs> well, look at what they did to Metroid with that. Um, what was that? Federation. Oh, yeah. that Federation bullshit. Force. Mm. Yeah. Which was actually pretty fun. But... Yeah, I played a demo of it. It was alright, but that had no reason being a Metroid game. Oh, well, yeah. I think they went, they went off the Metroid rails a long time ago with Metroid Pinball, so... <laughs> That was uh, quite a. Was that before or after Pokemon Pinball? No, yeah, no, that's true. I, I guess going pinball route mm. is not too strange then for Nintendo franchises. But um, so if you guys, if you guys had like a dream game, Futsvogel, what, what would your dream game announcement be at E3 if you had to pick something? Mm, look, look, I'm I'm not difficult. I just want a new Animal Crossing game. Um, <laughs> yes. Well, you got it on that's mobile. That's all I want. Well, no. yeah, that's the problem. That's the problem. Um, I don't think we're gonna get it anytime soon. No. Um, E3, it's it's weird. Um, I'm I don't get hyped anymore for it, and it's mostly because I'm not really up to date with the modern consoles anymore. So why should I care? Like, they announce a new game at E3. I'm like, yeah, that's great. I'm gonna look out for it at the flea market in ten years' time and hope I get it for like two bucks. <laughs> So uh, I'm I'm a, I'm a bit behind on on the consoles. I can so, feel uh, I can feel the same way too because I'm sort of out of the first person genre these days, and I'm mm-hmm. very picky about my modern games. So a lot of the games that are announced at E3, I'm just like, whatever. Give me mm-hmm. my 3D platformers, you know. And of course yeah. that that's why when people ask me what I'm most excited for, I'm just like, just give me goddamn 3D platformers <laughs> that aren't some gimmicky bullshit, you know? Like, give me a well, real Banjo Kazooie. 3D platformers right. are are relegated to indie releases now. You know that they're not going to do any more AAA releases for 3D. It's platforms. So sad. It, it is. It's it's so sad. Well, the closest thing we've had to AAA was Super Lucky's Tale recently, yeah, which was kind of you know that was that was a pretty big release for Microsoft. I was very surprised at that. Um, I don't know how well it sold though. I mean, it came out with two expansion packs that it were free. Seemed to review well too, but yeah, just there was not that. There was not that. Honestly, I think the chance swag. is a new Banjo Kazooie that isn't nuts and bolts like on on Xbox. <sighs> well, there's a rumor I heard, but I don't know if you guys want me to talk about it. Can you spoil something again, Mijims? I could if you want me to. <laughs> Why not? Well, I mean, if it's your if it's what you're looking for, well, if it's part of your hopes and dreams for E3, well, good. I've heard that Nintendo was actually working on a, a Banjo Kazooie style game using um, the Duck Hunt, like the Duck and the Dog, as a team doing 3D platforming. Oh, that might I would be it. Them. Yeah, that sounds good. I yeah. guess the mechanics that they had with the bird, with the Duck and the Dog in Smash Brothers, I guess it could yeah. lend itself to a Banjo style gameplay, right? Yeah, but again, that's. Sorry, Mitch, I almost there. I almost fell asleep out of boredom when you mentioned that. Sorry, uh, sorry guys. <laughs> Bovine does not like his gimmicky uh, collectathon platformers. Let them die. The the genre's no. dead. <laughs> That's why you I'm, guys can go back in all the retro games. You can get all the. I mean, three D platformers were an epidemic, right? In the in the nineties. So go back and play all those ones you missed back then. Don't. Yeah, but we're we're running out of choices. That's no. the thing. <laughs> 
Well, I'll just give my my dreams real fast. Uh, my biggest dream would be if Blue Point Studios did a a treatment to Eco that they did with Shadow of the Colossus. There's been some slight rumors that maybe sense. they were working on that. They did so well I mean, with the other two. It right? scares me though because they did the compilation on PS3. Why not just put Eco in the compilation with Shadow of the Colossus? I honestly, Eco probably wouldn't sell well enough for them to release it standalone. <laughs> They might do digital only, or who the hell knows? I'm a little scared. Well, Eco just isn't that popular for them. But to Shadow do that. Colossus sold pretty well in terms of the re-release, so I mean, I would. It has to be on their plans, right? I mean, there's no. It also wouldn't take them as long because you think about it. Like Eco is just a rendering of a castle, pretty much. You know, so Shadow of <laughs> the Colossus, they have to render all these big colossi, whereas Eco, they just got to render a damn castle with the same engine they have. So in a way, it wouldn't take too much manpower um, in that regard. <sighs> I mean, I don't know. My my hopes and dreams for E3, it always boils down to the same thing every time. And that's why I guess I've been so disappointed the last couple of years. But I just want any new hardware release. And if it would be a, mm. a handheld hardware release, like an announcement, oh, count me in. Like that. Yeah, but be... let's get real here. We're not going to see anything from Sony. There's no way. But that's way what I'm saying, right? Th- there's, there's practically zero chance of any new hardware announcements, specifically a handheld hardware announcement. Even Switch if, refresh. Like, mm-hmm. Switch even refresh. If Mo- even if Xbox was to suddenly say, oh, you know, we're going to do a handheld version of. No, it's. I Xbox think it's way too console. soon for a Switch revision. That would be insane. Yeah, and and any Switch uh, mm-hmm. upgrade, it's going to be internal and behind the scenes. They're not going to market it as a updated unit. I can almost guarantee you guys that. So. They're just, gonna okay slide, they're just going to slide it into production, you know, like, oh, here's a faster chip. And Oh, my God. I just thought of something to get people's hopes and dreams up. Oh, what okay. if Sony was, like, getting on that bandwagon of releasing, like, the, the mini consoles? What if they released a oh. mini PSP playing with an LCD one. screen playing playing PSP classics? Like, uh-huh. a miniature PSP, super like a micro, like a Game Boy Micro, like, almost size, maybe a little bigger. Nice and sturdy, sleek glass screen with like 20 of the best PSP games. Aren't, built you, in. aren't you describing the PSP it. Go, basically? <laughs> <laughs> pretty, yeah, pretty pretty much, but they're pre-installed so you don't have to buy them. I'll jump on it because as someone who didn't own a PSP, yeah, I would be all 79, 79.99. <laughs> now, I think the, the whole mini console only works for the big ones. You can't take the portable handheld and make it a micro console. <laughs> Well, to, to go along with that, I'll, I'll go Pete Door on this, and I'll give the promise of uh, Activision, Microsoft, and Nintendo joining hands in a kumbaya circle, and we're going to get that beautiful N64 classic with mm-hmm. GoldenEye, Wi-Fi, Ethernet port, online multiplayer. It's going to happen oh, this year. Gosh. Wait, I mean, wasn't, there a, wasn't there an N64 version of GoldenEye that was like supposed to come out? Somehow with online multiplayer, I thought. Uh, it's supposed to be on Xbox. I think. Xbox, yeah, Xbox, not 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 Nintendo console, but it got canceled. Mm. But Wait, I'm telling the club, it... N64 is primed for a classic re- uh, release this year. Well, I mean the the possibility of the and of the micro or I'm sorry of the N64 classic like that seems pretty viable. Uh, yeah. I, I can imagine that. I'm just going. I'm just going. The, I'm going the Pete Door step further and saying that we're going to get the <laughs> internet connectivity with the uh, the Kumbaya You're not circle. Get any of that? <laughs> what a, I can tell you right now, what I'm up for, never get that. Nintendo does not like to look forward in any way, shape, yeah. or form. Until, until yeah. June, yeah. Mario, we're not getting online in Mario Party until like Mario <laughs> oh, Party dude, 47. Please, this is Meacham's like <laughs> killing point right here. No online for Mario Just, Party. Gosh, do they hate money? Like you have to force <laughs> money down their throats sometimes for Nintendo to take it. And sometimes the most obvious solutions too, right? Meacham's, it's like, come on, that's just like a no-brainer. I don't understand how they didn't get to that point. <sighs> 
yeah. I mean, there is one game though. I would really, really hope to see, and it might even be a possibility. Just give me an updated Pokemon Snap, and for God's sake, oh, don't just don't just port Pokemon Go onto the Switch. If they do that, I'm gonna throw that thing in the trash because <laughs> we missed it. They they missed such a prime opportunity to do Pokemon Snap with the Wii U tablet. I don't understand how that didn't happen, yeah. but the Switch would be that- my next best hope. If that happens, it's going to be on mobile and it's going to be with uh, augmented reality. Don't you reality. do that to me, yeah. No, don't. I mean, no. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I'm connect, I'm I, I don't the think I'd mind that. An uh, augmented reality no. Pokemon Snap. Damn it, Minjim. See, it's that line of thinking that will prevent us from ever getting a true Pokemon Snap. Snap. I don't want it. I'm just saying what Nintendo's going to do. I wouldn't doubt it, though. You don't even care about Nintendo. it, whatever, Brent, so your, your point is... It's true. I, do, I don't, but I'm just trying to connect the dots. They point. had their golden opportunity with the Wii U, and if they yes. didn't take it then, then, which still pisses me off, I can't even think about that. Don't, don't, don't count on mobile, though, because they're passing hands to another new Nintendo president that's way younger than the current one. No. I don't know if they've done it yet, but apparently this new young president said he wants to make mobile like... I'm paraphrasing here, but he wants to make mobile like their major yeah, concentration. He wants course. to make so much money off of mobile. Oh, yeah. so I would expect to see a shit ton of Nintendo mobile games coming. Crushing Earthbound? You, you know that Earthbound or that Mother 3 translation? Mobile. Duh. Probably. <laughs> Could you imagine the outrage mm. from people? Can you imagine the in-app ads? <laughs> Can you imagine that all those fans yeah. will buy it either way? Yeah. yeah. <sighs> well, Nintendo's so, been experimenting with ways to handle mobile. Uh, like you look that, at but isn't that Animal Crossing versus Mario Run. Well, Pete, I mean, yeah. think about it, right? They did the Mario Running game. I can't. What was that game called? Mario. I think just Mario Run. Mario, Mario, Mario Run, Run something. Right, and then they do Pokemon Go, but it's. I don't know. I streamed it one night, and that's all I know. Yeah, that's you streamed it for like thirteen hours. hours. <laughs> 10 hours. Yeah, I streamed it for a while. Yeah, and that was the last time I ever <laughs> touched it. But I would imagine, and I don't know how successful like Pokemon Go and the Mario running game was for them in terms of like you know the uh, like the DLC. I don't. Or whatever. I don't think they were happy with the sales of Mario Run. Is that what it was? No. God, thank no. God. No, they wanted to keep premium, and it was a bad move. They should have done free to play, like a little bit more more uh, in app purchases. Not is not just the one that unlocked everything post World One. That was the misstep. Yeah. See, I think they were trying to be reasonable and to say, hey, ten bucks flat, you know, enjoy a full game. No, they forget that people are willing to spend whole paychecks on microtransactions. Exactly. I mean, they tried. Um, I'm thinking about, what was it called? The uh, Mitomo game, I think it was called. Oh, yeah. that's right. Um, yeah, they tried that one, which didn't really work that well. And then the Animal Crossing game. Um, I played it in the beginning, and it was felt really repetitive. But mm. I went back to it like two weeks ago or something. They really extended on this. It feels more like a real Animal Crossing game, but really try to push microtransactions. <laughs> like, you want this really cute chair, which is super limited, and it has, like, I don't know, Tom Nook's face on it. You have to pay so and so much in game currency, and there's no way you get to, like, that much uh, in-game. You have to buy it. So I really game... try to push it. How has that been going then? But I mean, do you get the sense that there's still like a, a fairly large community of people playing? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um. Well, thing is, I think all the people who started playing right at the beginning, they kind of get grew tired of it. Mm-hmm. But since they extended on it so much, maybe people will come back to it and see. Oh wow, this feels like an actual Animal Crossing game now. So huh. it's hard to say. I don't know how much money they make, but they're trying to push it. 
I guess we'll see. I leave it to Nintendo. I feel like if there's going to be someone to innovate the way that you purchase things in microtransactions on mobile, I think it's Nintendo. I feel like they can find a method that would work that's not too intrusive. I, that's why I think they're dabbling yeah. so much right now. Like when I think the definitive game where they need to have their shit figured out is when they come out with the uh, the Mario Kart game on mobile. I think oh, yeah. by then we're going to know what their online structure is going to be. And I feel like it's going to be a free-to-download game. And then like there'll be probably cosmetic things for your cart, right? So if you want a special color scheme or a skin for your cart, you can buy it with coins or points. You know, they'll probably take the more traditional route, but in a way that doesn't like push pay to win, I would hope. I think th- I think that's the best thing to do. I-, I hope they wouldn't gate tracks or characters, maybe characters, but not, you know. No, if you gate the problem you gate the tracks, the problem is then you're limiting your player base for getting into a match. So if half your player half your player base has only got half the tracks, then of course people are not gonna be able to get into matches down the line. So I think it only behooves them, like you said, to make it cosmetic. <clears throat> Wait, didn't you? It's like I see them tripping over themselves with the Switch online stuff over and over again still. So I have a very low uh, confidence level that they will be the one to figure that out. I mean, just because, I mean, traditionally, they've always been terrible, right? But I mean, uh, what you're saying with the new president, maybe he's going to bring on new people that actually know what they're doing with an online connection and figure it out from there. But I don't know. Mia Chums right now is... is He's he's letting this know. Mia Chams, you got to get something off your chest. What what are you hoping for from E3? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> um, well, I guess uh, I was uh, trying to get everybody's like ultimate like pipe dream, like something that'll never happen for E3. That but but you've been begging for it year after year after year, and it and it never comes to fruition. So what's yours? Everybody has one, right? What's yours? Mine is a Back to the Basics Halo, which like Halo oh, Classic. Oh, God. All right, without, so Brunch, what's without, your... Without, yeah. <laughs> without sprint, without jetpacks, <laughs> without freaking clamoring and ground pound. It's a straight Next. up... Yeah, that's mine. Where's that mute button? (laughs) No, nothing against Halo. Like I used to play. I actually used to play a crap ton of Halo. Uh, Not not the first one, but the second one, especially the third one. I I used to play the hell out of those games online. Like I was in a pretty competitive clan at the time too. A lot of my SoCom buddies, uh, a lot of the best players moved on the Halo at one point, and we were, you know, we were one of the top clans at the time. Um, but I just have no interest in Halo or first-person shooters anymore. But I understand people's attachment to that series. Yeah. I, I mean, Meechan, didn't you already get a Halo 1 remaster in that collection? That's no, good enough, that right? was ran by 343, and what? they piledrived that game to the ground. <laughs> Everything's broken. Um, they're, pro- they're promising be- a refresh. Yeah, that, that's going to be Microsoft's biggest announcement at, at E3, is like <laughs> the no, revamped no Master yeah. Chief Collection. But um, Master Chief yeah. Collection Volume Two could gosh, shoot me now. <laughs> no, it's just going to be some kind of crazy patch because it's sixty been more dollars for like the last th- three years. So they, the the freaking sales already are the boats already freaking sell far far away from that. So now announcing Master Chief Collection Master Patch fifty dollars yeah, now, now fix yeah. the original nope. game. I'll never give another dollar to three four three. So I've got three pipe dreams for three games, all of which are a third game in the series. <laughs> three is also my lucky number, and this is this is no like coincidence. Um, Klonoa three, 
Yes. Because Bandai Namco seems to have abandoned that series completely. The 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 final nail in the coffin for Klonoa was you guys remember those projects? They're a little obscure, so maybe not everybody remembers them. But you remember there was this series that came out in Japan. It originated on the PS2. It was called like Project or Namco, what was it called? Project X-Zone or something like that? I don't remember exactly what the PS2 game was, but it was sort of like this strategy RPG crossing all these mm. different series together um, oh, that never came to the US. Namco X Bandai or some shit, whatever it was. I don't remember. Anyway, the the sequel that came out in the US was called Project X-Zone, right? Correct me if I'm wrong. I never bought either of these games. All I know is every single franchise or series that was in the PS2 original, and there were a lot of them, Guess which one was one of the only ones that got cut from the 3DS version and didn't return? Klonoa. <laughs> so, guess... Yeah, I think they're done with Klonoa. Um, also, the second nail in the coffin was... Uh, the creator of Klonoa said that he would think about doing um, a Wii remake for Klonoa 2 if the first one sold well enough on the Wii. That never happened. Um, and that was around the time of this Project Exxon thing as well. Hell. So Klonoa 3 would be awesome. At this point, uh, I would take a Klonoa HD remaster collection, you know? Just give me all the games that have come out, throw them on a disc somewhere. I'll take that. The problem is not all of them are good, though. Uh, <laughs> just just one and two are the only ones worth <laughs> What, you don't like uh, the Game Boy Advance ones? Those are good. Not really. <laughs> the f- the f- uh, Dream Champ Tournament was good for like the first couple hours before it got batshit difficult. Um, also... Power Stone 3. Oh, mm. dude. With online multiplayer. Don't do it to me. 10 player online multiplayer. Oh, no. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'd, I'd be okay with four players. <laughs> Mag style 64 oh, versus man. whatever the hell it was. 128 <laughs> players or whatever. Man. Will that um, accompany the uh, Dreamcast 2 release? That I'd be on board with. Oh, could you imagine? Could you imagine I, if Sega was like, guess what, motherfuckers? We're pulling out. No more publishing on your consoles. We got the Dreamcast 2. That's right. I would support it. Like, I would even be on board if they were like, guess what? Uh, Digital-only games. You know, honestly, one console that wouldn't piss me off if they came out and they were like, no physical, digital-only. I'd be okay if the Dreamcast was like, hey, we got a game service, you know, 20 bucks a month. You get to play all these Dreamcast classics, and, you know, we're going to release sequels to, you know, uh, stuff like Power Stone and whatnot, or you know House of the Dead. What are they even up to now? Like five or six? Like House of the Dead six will be on there, or maybe if they were just like, okay, no service, but we just offer a, a library of games, ten, hmm. twenty, thirty so like bucks each. A digital distribution console with only their star franchises, like moving up in their sequels. I mean, yeah, that and branching like... out to indie developers too. Remember the failed bullshit with the Ouya, whatever. I was, was. going to say, it yeah. sounds like the next Ouya. <laughs> Except well, it's it's it wouldn't be the next Ouya, hopefully. And Sega is so in love with the at games machines right now, or you know, I don't know if they're in love with it, but they're totally content yeah. with them handling it. That just sounds like a nightmare waiting to happen. So let's see if anybody can guess my third. Now this yeah, one sure. this might be a little hard for yes. the listeners and for you guys. <laughs> well, no, actually, the listeners pirate. Um, <laughs> Sonic Sonic R two, right? Let's see. <laughs> All right, fuck it. It's Dark Cloud Three. <laughs> oh, yeah. No suspense. Any hint I could have given would have would have given it away instantly. So, what's the nails in the coffins with that ever happening? Um, the nail in the coffin with that is level five makes way more money off of making things like Yokai Watch in Japan. Um, like when they started working on Nino Kuni Two, I was like, yeah, that's it. Like, there, there's no way we're getting Dark Cloud because yeah. pretty much the town building aspects. 
of Dark Cloud made its way into you know Kuni too. It's like it feels like Dark Cloud exists as this this um something that they pull ideas from and just inject into other games. Like White Knight Chronicles had elements mm-hmm. of town building and and now Nino Kuni too. Oh yeah. Nino Kuni too. Oh boy. Hmm. How about you, Foots, or what about Brunch? What about your hopes and dreams and nails in the coffins as well that would kill it? N sixty four is mine for sure. I, I I you know, I I'm I've since I've joined the retro community earlier this year, I have been like dead set on retro. I've not thought about anything modern. And I'll be quite frank with it's the whole reason I got into retro is because I've just been so disenchanted with all of the the modern offerings. I just feel like we're getting so many uh you know iterations of the games we've seen so many times. I really think it boils down to you know, for me, the games that I used to play, it's like three or four different types of games I kept buying over and over again. And uh, I've I've fallen out of love with uh, modern. So I, I that's why the N sixty four was my was my uh my my pipe dream because I can't for me there's nothing to bring me back to modern at this point. I am one hundred percent full on looking at retro for the time being. You're talking about an N sixty four mini? Yeah. The, yeah, the classic edition. Yeah, the, you, you heard about like them trademarking something for the N sixty four recently, right? I have, yes, I, I, have, I have, I have heard about that. But you know, that could be also a, uh, uh, you know, look over here while we do something else in this other direction, you know, some misdirection, like a magician would do. You never know. I well, mean, typically, when Nintendo trademarks something, they're pretty blatant about it, and it usually, you know, all signs point to the obvious. So I, I would definitely count on a. Yeah. I, mean, I, just know, I don't even know what they would put on it without rare games, but you feel it's an inevitability, though, right, me, Jims? And oh, no, no doubt. Right. Look how well the the SNES and NES one sold. No, it's sure. the next evolution. It makes sense. NES, mm-hmm. Nintendo, N sixty four is next. Virtual I mean, board. I mean, they could iterate it oh, one more please. time, right? They could iterate it by releasing the classic volume two, or they'll just throw you know, uh, thirty more NES games or twenty more SNES games before the N sixty four route. Nintendo pushes their luck. But I don't know if they would they would go that far. I mean, this yeah. would kill Nintendo for. Doing I mean, there, there's mean... a big enough pool in the, from '64 to not care about the rare games, though. Honestly, yeah, I, I feel yeah. that they just don't have the ability to release the best games for N64 due to licensing. So it's kind of yeah, it'll be an odd machine because you're gonna see, you know, people talked about some of the big games being missing from the SNES and the SNES Classic, but man, the N64 would have huge holes in the lineup that people would just yep. be scratching their heads Yeah, but over. just think of all the freaking Mario games that are on that thing. Yeah, the I, mean, I guess they could just oh do my that. God. Mario Party 2, 1, 2, 3, Mario Kart. Three. Yeah, it would probably be Mario Party Star. 1, 2, 3, Ocarina, Majora's Mask, um, Mario Tennis, Golf, well, they would, Paper Mario. The, you know what the oh, yeah. best chance, though, or the best thing that excites me about the N64 uh, classic would be? Was that they, they would get a chance to release the 64 DD content on it. Oh my oh god, man. please let it oh be so my god. I hadn't even thought about that. I don't know Rip why. Collectors right. sell yes. shit on that would right make now. the most sense here. And they Dude, I never content. I never thought about that. Come that on. Would be, oh god, oh my god, F Zero with the freaking exactly. the track DD editor. content. Oh my yeah. god. Oh, dude. And you can share it online and play with other people multiplayer. Ooh. All right. Charge us a, charge us hundred and fifty. <laughs> you guys got all our money already. Oh sold. I'll freaking throw my money so hard. Well, I'm just screen. looking through my games right now. I mean we'd ha- we'd get Bomberman, we'd get Yoshi's story, mm-hmm. uh Wave Race, Diddy Kong. Oh no wait, not Diddy Kong. Not Diddy Kong. Not D K C or D K sixty four. That's all they need to do. Or banjo. No, you're right, 100%. Because they kind of did that with the Super Nintendo Classic, is they dropped the uh, Star Fox 2 on it. Yeah, take it one step further. Oh, 
Dude. Although I'd be happy with the Satella view for the SNES Classic. See, I, don't know I how would have hoping that. <laughs> that they were going to do that brunch. I was hoping that they were going to release that, like the BS Zelda version. That would have been yes, perfect. I want that. And I, I will not emulate it, but I want it. Yeah. The what? I'm sorry. There was the Satella view version of Zelda. It was an episodic release that took the Link to the Past engine and continued, right. like, give you a new quest, essentially, in Link to the mm-hmm. Past. Thought you said Nutella. No. <laughs> slathered. Slathered in the release of Zelda. Okay. That's taking branding to a whole new level, Mitch. Mm. Yeah. Not above Nintendo, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, you never know. Nutella Nintendo. But, I mean, here's another point, though. Like, between the all the classic system releases and then what they announced for Switch, I mean, do you guys believe VC is just going to be dead for Switch altogether? Yes. Yes. You think mm-hmm. so? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's gone. It would have been out I, by I now. I don't want to say it. Yeah. But I think how? It, but yeah. I think how could they charge? Or how can they charge people? Even if they brought the points back, how could they charge people eight dollars for a single virtual console game when they're offering this service for twenty dollars a year that gives you a couple dozen games? I mean, that just how but, could they do that? But they still haven't cleared up exactly what that twenty dollars a year is, right? I mean. They've mentioned the games, and is it going to be monthly or just for that year? No. You have those twenty. And they games? said they they would add games as well too. But would my they take guess away is other ones? It, my guess would be that when it launches, it'll probably have a set pool of games, like maybe five to ten, maybe. And then over the course of the year, maybe every month or every two weeks, you get a game or two. See, that sounds uh, horrific sounds like to se- me. Sounds like Sega I, Channel. <laughs> <laughs> what was that brunch? Sounds like Sega Channel. You Sega get these Channel? core games, and they oh. keep switching them out every month. I don't know that the idea of I mean I guess they're going to be experimenting with how pricing goes with games like you were saying Pete they're going to try to figure out what the formula is that people are willing to accept and what the most they're about to pay but so far from what I've heard with the Nintendo Switch like the the I don't what are they calling it again they're calling it the the clock. bullshit phone service <laughs> 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 trademark pending for that thing. but yeah, yeah whatever it is it doesn't sound good at all to me and and i was never a vc guy ever with the previous nintendo consoles like the only ones i think i ever picked up were those free ones they gave you because they screwed up with the 3ds pricing the ambassadors program those are literally the only vc titles i ever you know had on a system i didn't give a crap about paying you know ten dollars to get yet another version of super mario brothers so i to me it's not a big deal and i hope they kill it all the way but I know that a lot of people depend on that VC option. So, I like the idea of being... Because apparently these games are going to have either online multiplayer, which is the way they're making it out, mm-hmm. and leaderboard support, which to me sounds cool. Like being able to compete with people in some of these classic games with a leaderboard style and online multiplayer. I mean, I don't know. 20 bucks a year. I mean, sign me up. Even if it's complete garbage, I'm willing to try it. Mm-hmm. I don't know how year. excited I am about leaderboards because they always eventually get filled Hat. up with like perfect yeah. scores. You know, you got the freaking... oh god, don't remind me about Mario Odyssey. Jump. Exactly, those <laughs> I happens so hard. I don't know if you guys. I don't think I remember or brunch. If you were there, probably not brunch because I don't think you're on no. Twitch yet. But no. when Mario Odyssey first came out, I became obsessed with jump rope in that game. <laughs> There's this jump rope mini game <laughs> where it had an online leaderboard tied to it. So I would sit there for like, and I'd have to jump rope for like, I don't know how, 20, 30 minutes without blinking. <laughs> I, w- I was able to get like really close. I think I cracked the top 100 or almost made top 100 in the world. And then, you know, I stopped playing it. And then like a week or two later, I look and there's these hackers that have like obscene <laughs> times, like obscene jumps that just are not humanly possible. Yeah. And it's like, well, forget that. I don't know so how that I'll moderate I never those. get excited for for leaderboards because they, they're always they, they all have the same fate 
Uh, but you can always have friend leaderboards, though. So yeah, as long that. as you know I beat me a chums, that's <laughs> I mean, first of all, is any of that making you excited for the online old NES games with online leaderboard or multiplayer support? I just I'd be be I'd be all for it. Um, I think the virtual console is gonna be dead. Uh, I mean, for third generation, you're gonna rebuy the same games again, and there's nothing new added to it. Like, why would you do that? Especially since you don't have access to the entire catalog. And with like clone consoles, the mini consoles coming out now. I don't see the point anymore. So I like the direction they're going by reviving the games by adding online multiplayer game um, function. So I'm all for that, yeah. Huh. Were you a big VC uh, person on their previous consoles, though, as you got and used them, though, Foots? Like, I don't remember ever you talking about them. Uh, I just, I mean, I, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> I bought um, one or two on my 3DS, mm-hmm. which... Is nice, but I don't see the point of rebuying the same games uh, like over and over again. I just don't see the point with how far we've gotten today with you know all the the technology we have, basically. Yeah. So yeah, no. On that. Um. Uh. Otherwise, uh, any pipe dream hopes I have, um, I I hope for a like new handheld from Sony. Mm-hmm. Um, I I still keep hope. I don't think they're going to be done with it because Nintendo, they don't have any competition on the handheld market. And especially the Switch, I don't think they're going to come out with a new 3DS. So for like normal families, they mm-hmm. can't buy just like for the five kids, like one console for each kid. Like it's very expensive. So it's mostly like one console per household. So if Sony can jump in and create something more for the younger generation, like the 3DS, that would be just perfect. Yeah. Anyway, I'm just. I was very curious though about if when the Switch came out, if it was going to like start bumping into their market of the handheld side, and if it was yeah. gonna like yeah. you were saying, if they were just gonna forego doing the the any another 3DS handheld. At first, I, mean, I was thinking no, yeah. but now I don't know. You might be right there. They they said that it wouldn't it wouldn't but since they're gonna give up on the 3ds yeah. like yeah come on I mean the 3ds uh, they have to kill it anyway to push the switch their branding mm. and brand name for you know DS that was so strong I would think that yeah. they would at least give it one more iteration right before completely I mean, combining the two I mean what I don't I don't see what they're gonna do anymore like we have all. 3DS variations you could dream of. Like, we have, like, 2DS, 3DS, we have them in every every form and, like, color. And, like, I don't see how they would do that. No. No, I Uh, I think think the 3DS is over. Yeah. I think so, too. But definitely. Uh, Which ties in into my another um, pipe dream I have. It's uh, Dragon Quest XI on the 3DS, which we will not get anymore. Why not? It's so sad. Uh, come on. Like, well, they're going to push it on the Switch. Yeah. No, that would make sense. Right? Graphically, they could just have a better version of the game, not having to cut mm-hmm. it down, not having to work on another ported version, just move over the existing yeah. game, right? Yeah, exactly. So I don't think they're going to push the 3DS uh, at E3 anymore. Like, 
it's gonna just disappear like that. They they pushed the last games <clears throat> which were coming out on it, like Detective Pikachu, but mm-hmm. I think we're done with 3DS. I, well, I think technology-wise, they can still push something, like if the next 4DS was a Google Glass type of thing or something like that. Like, just completely, you know, since they have the Switch to be able to handle... You know, those markets that would want the next Nintendo console plus their handheld just go completely off the map, you know, create something that just is going to break, you know, people's minds in terms of like the the way they would interact or, you know, work with the device. Like I still feel personally that the handheld name and the branding of DS still holds a lot. And if they were to go completely off the record and do like something so different that it just creates a new style of genre of gameplay, right? Like, I think... Well, let me, I think let me blow your mind, Bovine. I mean, mm-hmm. we're talking about how we got the n- younger president in the Nintendo, right? Mm-hmm. And he's all about the mobile aspect. I'm going to blow your mind and say, I think that next thing that's going to be blowing our mind, because I think Nintendo is very, very leery about hardware. You know, they, they really missed up with the Wii U, and the Switch kind of was what the Wii U should have been. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to go the next step, get rid of the 3DS altogether, the DS, uh, the 2DS, and just give us a mobile iPhone-looking switch that will maybe morph into a phone or utilize God. phone functionality that makes because they're doing that thing with the phones right where that you have to hook up your phone to talk on the app what yep, if exactly like, hey guess no. what we got our own yeah. phone. well and what's funny about it looks that like is a fisher price toy yeah no, <laughs> I, I, no i totally think that's what it is because when, when dreamcast came out i remember seeing the windows ce logo and i'm like why the hell is our windows ce logo my sega dreamcast well <laughs> microsoft was getting into the console market like i think nintendo oh. is like testing the waters on mobile and sneakily you know releasing apps on iOS Android and they're this is their pre-planning to do it themselves. Hmm. This, is, this is my pipe dream possibilities out here cuz I I think 3DS is gone. Yeah. I think 100% Nintendo's going to move into the to the phone market eventually. But that would just but, be uh, the Switch mini essentially. I mean think about it, yeah. right? The Switch is a is an Android tablet after all said and done. So really, mm-hmm. you guys are talking about a smaller screen version of it that runs. You're, you're talking about and... Nintendo here, Bovon. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> that pretty much sums up all of their handheld consoles. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Unfortunately, wouldn't put it past them. I oh, guess what? You want a you... screen with a 10% smaller screen? Yeah. The Switch Mini. There you go. It's true. <laughs> you, you joke, but the problem is everyone is clamoring for the Switch. So yeah. Nintendo has been he's gotten confirmation. This thing is amazing. What if? What if? <laughs> well, well think about it. So the Switch is a little bulky. You can't just throw that thing in your pocket. No, you yeah, that's why we put it past them, you know? Take the Joy-Cons off, and it's pretty much like yeah, a small It's still tablet, a pain right? in the ass. And though, if you right? have, like, the Jinko jeans, and you can put, like, a VHS <laughs> in that. Yeah, but who's going to take the control? Like, not everybody wants to carry around a little carrying bag for their Switch. Some people just want to throw it in their pocket. Or their fanny pack, whatever they have on them. Yeah. Switch Micro. I don't. I mean, can you imagine though? They just release like a like a four inch screen version of Switch, but the Joy Cons they 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 shrink down in the same relative manner. So you have these super tiny Joy Cons like they did for the Famicom Mini. That's, I still think that's the most hilarious thing that came out in the last like oh, few yeah. years. <laughs> well, just uh, but, to drive the point home that the Switch might kill the 3DS is you got to remember Nintendo swore up and down that you know. The, the Game Boys was still going to be relevant when the DS came out. And, you know, they weren't going to kill off the Game Boy Advance or anything True. like that. True. The DS was initially a side, a parallel you device know. with so Game Boy Advance. So, you just got to look at the history and now look. Go with the Damn you, Reggie. 
I mean, my only pipe dream, my hopes and dueling, and I know it's going to be killed. I just want to see more of the new Ueda game, you know, t- the Team Eco game. And I know they're not going to show it because it's going to take them like seven years to make it. And I wouldn't say that because <laughs> apparently he's just going to be working on smaller projects from, from here on out. So you think they'll have something to show then at E3? Already? I'm pretty sure I remember him saying he's done. Yeah, he's he's done with these big, huge AAA projects like Last Guardian. He's just going to be working on whatever studio he's <laughs> branching off into. Um, huh. It's going to be a smaller, more contained experience type of so game. So you don't think that teaser was uh, the next, the fourth in the in this story? It's just another side indie project then? I don't know. I haven't even seen a teaser for it, to be honest oh, with you. Oh, interesting. Because yeah, they're so. on their main site, right? They they had posted something that potentially could be a fourth game in the series, but I I, I strongly believe. I think after the stress of Last Guardian, I mean, how would you feel if you were making a game and it took almost a decade to come out? I can't imagine the stress of that. I'm pretty sure he's just doing smaller projects now. Well, I'd still want to see it, but Pipe Dream, I know, nail in the coffin because it's team. I mean, maybe he'll take a more a step back from uh, the overall design team, like leave it to people um, to kind of like work on the mainframe of the game. And he kind of just offers art direction and just ideas for the story. Who knows? But I don't think he's going to be a main involvement in any other future major. I mean, we can't even call him team eco really anymore, Uh, but whatever they move on to for their next fourth game, um, he might take a backseat. That's for sure. Hmm. Any news would be welcome at this point. Whole but then again, look at look at Japan with with uh, Miyazaki and uh, you know how he's like, oh, I'm going to step back from making films and retire, and he's like back making a feature film again. <laughs> yeah. So you know that's how that's how they work in Japan. They never really <laughs> they never retire. <clears throat> All right, so the thing that covers it for E3, right? Unless anyone has any final thoughts on that. I don't think so, unless Mia Chums wants mm-hmm. to talk more Halo. But... Yeah, well, let me talk about Halo <laughs> that was coming. for 10 minutes. So Halo, no. <laughs> so the, the, the one thing that I want to talk about, sort of to, to cap off this episode before we get to bring it to a close here, is something that's been going on in the retro community as of late, and people have been really talking about it, because it's, it's been getting a little crazy lately. And that's the ability. And, you know, let's not name any names here. Just use your imagination. Um... The idea that in overnight, the price of a game can go from $20 to $120 on eBay. Oh, are we from... talking slightly obscured, uh, slightly <laughs> obscured minerals here? <laughs> slightly, slightly obscured gems that you find, you know. So the, the fact that like you have to be scared now when you see a game that you're interested in. Yep. Uh, a game like Ghost Hunter that I was contemplating buying last year. I'm like, should I buy this for horror month this this year and it was like 15 20 bucks and now the game's like granted it's slowly coming down i hear someone searching that shit on ebay right now me and Jim. <laughs> <laughs> I, hear, I hear i hear the clapping no it's okay <laughs> doing his research uh it's it's come down like it's start it looks like it's starting to steady at around like 70 80 but that's way better than the 100 120 it was going for uh the night after you know it made its premiere on youtube as a hidden gem so you know a, the YouTube retro community has gotten to the point now where when the bigger names call out a game as being worth checking out, um, people flock to eBay and they buy it. And the sellers see this. Not to call out the sellers, I mean, shit, it's their money. Uh, What they do is, you know, if they have a copy, they'll be like, oh my god, this was in XYZ's video. Let's let's take it or post it on eBay for 500% markup or let me quickly delist my copy and 
or, or you know, raise the price on it because they see it was listed and, and people are going to want it. But here's the thing, though. Who is to blame? Because if you sit back and really think about it, the people that are buying these games, they're the idiots that are bidding it up so high and raising the price themselves. Or are we to blame the people that are making the videos? I mean, t- when you think about it, if you make a video and you're like, guys, this is a great game. You need to check it out. I highly recommend it. Is it really their fault for recommending a game? Or is are the people to blame that pay the crazy prices? Well, if you were to ask me, I would, of course, agree that everybody has the right to make their own content. But um, it's the name associated with, uh, you know, what what some people are calling them, you know, hidden gems. So when you're newer to the retro scene... Hold on, I just want to interrupt you, by the way, before I forget. There's actually a whole bunch of people putting in their eBay listings now hidden gem in yes. the... Oh, would, God. Say that. They're would... linking directly now to the... Oh, videos. God. Yep. Oh, God. But, um... It's the term hidden gem. You know, what do you think? You're you're new to the retro scene, right? You you see this guy, Metal Jesus, or whoever, and How they call dare you? No, I'm just kidding. Hidden, they call <laughs> bleep that. Gem. Just kidding. Um, but here, but here's the biggest problem: is with channels like that, they have Patreons, right? And one of this guy's channels, uh, Patreon things, is if you donate a certain cash amount, you get early access to all of his videos. So when you get early access to a video like oh you're uh, right a hidden gems video um, oh, you right. you're buying up co- and you could see the day you know a week before the 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 episode releases yep. someone buys up a ton of copies and then boom right when the episode releases there's tons of copies for inflated the prices that are sold instantly you're man. completely right because I remember that happening with mm-hmm. Skeleton Crew which that was a game on the Genesis that I was eyeing for a while. And then it comes out in a hidden gem video, and then all of a sudden, because this used to be a game that was really hard to get complete in box copies for, suddenly the the hidden gem video is out, and then suddenly there's complete in box copies of Skeleton Crew popping up for way more money than they used to go for. It's like, what the hell is this bullshit? Luckily, it started to steady out a little bit in terms of price, but like, <clears throat> it's it's a little scummy, and but. Do these people know what they're doing when they make a Patreon giving well, I think early access? The intent I'm sure part, they do. The intent it's part, the Peter, I think sellers, is, yeah, the intent is where I think the question comes into play. If you're looking at the content that's being created, like what is the actual intent? You know, well, their intent is to make content. a living. Their yeah. their intent is to make a living doing what they love to do on YouTube. Yeah. The he side has effect of it, though, of those videos, if you look it up, a hundred hidden gems. This the side effects are the sellers that take advantage of it. It's like this second black market, in a way. Mm-hmm. Where, yeah, they're looking up what's going to be there, and then they snatch up every copy they can on Amazon and eBay. And then, good luck getting that game for a good price. Well, to go but back to your initial question, that, I think... You know, there's no way around it, right? I mean, they're instigating the rule... I mean, they're basically forcing the issue of supply and demand whenever anyone does a video highlighting games that they feel you know, should be purchased. Now, granted, I will say... There's one part of it that, I mean, there's a, there was a counter video someone made that kind of tried to measure the effect of what we're talking about here, right? Basically content of hidden gems and what it does to game prices. And this person did a pretty thorough job of doing some research with these past hidden, you know, minerals videos where they were trying to figure out what was the effect of it. Did it stay or did it, did it maintain the cost, the, the high cost that it had raised the games to? And from what his data said, I mean, it said that after a period of time, we're talking about like after a year or so, you know, the game prices essentially normalized out to what they were. So there was always this huge bump, right, when the videos hit, and then it started going back down. 
Now, that was a couple of years ago, and I think maybe because there's just more awareness of retro games now, and obviously the reselling market, everyone knows they're hotter commodities now, I think the effect will start to be more pronounced as we move forward. Yeah. And as the channel gets a lot larger. And all of those things come into play, right? But I still feel, you know, the original point that Pete was saying, you know, everyone knee-jerk reaction buying it immediately after the video, right? That that will become a bigger problem as the more and more that occurs. And I you think... were going to say, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead, Pete. Oh, no. Uh, I was going to say Brunch Brunch was going to interject something there oh, yeah. as well. No, I was going to, yeah, I was going to bring it back to Pete's initial question. I, I, you know, it's, I feel terrible saying this, but I do think it is, it is us, the buyers who are to blame 100%. I think if we can think about any, any type of rallying against anything across, you know, the the ages, if we could all just bandy together and agree not to buy these games. Exactly. And I mean, it's impossible, of course, absolutely impossible. But if we could just send a message collectively to the people who are listing these things that listen, we're not going to take this bait. Do not dare raise this price because we won't buy it at any price. And I think, let, it's, let I think it, it's kind of disgusting. Like, there's no is, way I can I can take a game that I know the day before was going for twenty bucks. I'm not paying fucking a hundred dollars the next day. Mm-hmm. No, and I don't understand. I don't understand the people who are buying them the next day. It's like, okay, you realize the sellers have caught on to what you you are about to do. Why then? Go ahead and buy it, knowing that it's an inflated price anyway. I don't understand what you're basically just confirming. Well, the next time that a gem is re- revealed, you're guaranteeing yourself going to have to pay that inflated price again. Well, you know? this guy has one of the biggest retro um, YouTube channels, and it's garnering new subscribers every single day. Who, of course, you know, because there's new people getting into the hobby every single day. So when they see this guy making videos like that, they don't know what the games go for. They, all they know is it's a hidden gem, as far as they're concerned. So, you know, they don't, they're not pro eBay users like all of us, you know, look at sold listings, you know. You know I guess they, they, they look at these games and they're like, holy shit, they're right. That game looks amazing. I've never heard of this. I need to play this right now. And they don't care what it costs. Mm-hmm. So they, they snatch it up. You are 100% mm-hmm. right. It does not mean they're not at fault <laughs> um, because they're pretty much ruining it for all of us. But I mean, there is no, there is no magical answer. There's no way for us to stop this, I don't think. <laughs> and I've, I've thought about this critically. I cannot think of a way that we could prevent this from happening. Now, Fitz, I, know. I know you go to the flea markets a lot. Yeah, go Can ahead. you tell us your experience? I know you've had a story that you've been wanting to share as well <laughs> about your experiences there. Hold on, hold on. I, I've got <laughs> I've got a long point to make, so just sit back and relax, okay? Uh, yes, you can do something about it. And who is to blame? I think it's us, the collectors, but not in the way you might think. Uh, not for buying those expensive games, but for not buying the games before it came up in a hidden gem whatever video. So, um, basically, it only concerns bigger channels, um, which have a large following. I could put on YouTube a video next day tomorrow about hidden gems, and nobody's going to care about what I have to say, okay? Maybe three people are going to watch it. So I'm not going to influence the gaming prices. And that's the word which is really important, influence. Um, they're called influencers. Like in social media, like people with a large following, they are influencers. <laughs> they have a large fa- fan base. They are, in our community, very knowledgeable about games. Or they are trusted about their opinions. And they, of course, have also power to affect purchases. That's why they get all these reviews products. And that's why they sell out, etc. The problem we have in our community is because 
um, the gaming price market isn't regulated. So, like, I can go to a shop, like, for a review product. It can be sold out. Sold out, but the prices aren't going to shoot up. It's just going to be sold out. Whereas gaming, like, you know, there's limited quantities of games. So, of course, if there's only a limited quantity and such a high demand, of course, prices will go up. It's like basic economics, okay? <laughs> yeah. So, um, to blame, of course, the viewers who have to own the game right away. Um, why? I do not understand because it's not really community-based. Like, as for us, like, we want to buy Flintstone games because we want to compete and completely destroy each other <laughs> for, you know, speedrunning. Uh, for new records, but it's it's community based, so I don't understand why they have to own the game right away, but they have to. So they pay those ridiculous prices, which of course makes um, the gaming prices shoot up. But here's the thing: and, so I mean, are you saying because whoever who knows that they have a large sphere of influence that it's mm. more? It's kind of up to them in terms of being responsible with what they do with that influence as <laughs> How? well. How? 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 How will they regulate gaming prices? Like, they make it their living. They play, they talk about video games. Like, what will they do otherwise? I wouldn't see how. Uh, besides going digital, that case, if all consoles were to be digital, like, that, like, he can talk about games, the gaming price cannot go up because, but like, like Sony, like, could, he could focus on maybe hidden gems of digital. Distribution, games, right? Which would never change pricing. That would that would change tons of nowadays. He could, but the problem is a recent one. Like, um, the past years, like when he was when he had still a very small following, it wasn't really a problem, was it? Um, I don't re- really remember. It was a small following, but he he was still getting hundreds of thousands of views per video, even with the small following that he had mm. previously. But with that, though, Beachums, how much of that percentage is really going to purchase it? I mean, now, I mean, not now, but back then, like you were saying, when he had a smaller following. Yeah, like, right notice? away, like purchasing right away. That, it's true. Um, I, myself, don't do it anymore. If I like a game I see on video, it could be on any any video game channel. I just download the ROM, okay? Calm down, just download it, and wait it out. I mean, uh, point, prices but... will go up. Yeah, to your hmm? points, Foots, I'm actually starting to watch like really no-name, you know, smaller view channels who are doing mm. similar type videos. Maybe not even calling them like hidden gems, but I'm just watching them review well-recommended games and much smaller channels. And obviously you check to see if they're doing their research and if they're playing it through and mm. having the information to even put it up as a recommended game. But those are the ones I'm trying to like kind of buy. Those are the ones I'm saying, okay, I'm mm. getting my information from this really small, obscure channel where the content is great and they're doing their work and their research, I'm going to get those games. Forget anything yeah. showing up on any of these larger ones. Mm. Just just avoid that's, them altogether. Right, right. That's what I would recommend anyway. Do your research, okay? Do Find your own hidden gems, okay? Do your research. Uh, go into gaming genres. Browse eBay stores. Uh, just look at games that might intrigue you. Do your own research. Don't and just listen blindly to, to some... <laughs> Uh, you can share it after you bought your own copy, which I did uh, when I recommended to you those Game Boy games. I already had mine shipping, so so do your research. Um, I mean, the resellers, it's going to be a problem, yes. Can I blame them? No. I may- maybe I would do the same thing, raising a game price, maybe selling the game at that point if nobody cared about the game before. 
of course, I would want to sell it right there and now when everyone's interested. So it goes both ways. Um, also, the game I already own in my collection is going to gain in value too. So, you know, it's it goes both ways. So, um, uh, I download the ROM. I just don't buy it right away. Uh, I don't get to it anyway quickly because of backlog. Um, and uh, my advice is uh, if you have a game on your wish list, buy it right now. I tend to do this all the time. I have a game that interests me, it has a really fair price, and I'm like, nah, I can wait. It's gonna drop in price. And then, boom, a video hits. And then it's like, I don't know, five times the price. Who am I? Like, who can I play? Myself, because I didn't buy it right now. So yeah. I would advise you, do your research <laughs> and buy all the games right now. Go on eBay and you, stop that fuck. <laughs> but I have, like, the max amount of save searches on eBay right now. Like, yeah. I've pushed the limit. <laughs> I can't buy it. No. You're just lazy for not jumping on anything then, Meacham. It's <laughs> true. So what I'm hearing from Vogel, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to heed her advice. I'm just going to buy everything. Okay, sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> sounds honestly, like fair advice. Yeah, I'm immune to this stuff, right? Because I have this store. I have this great retro video game store. Oh, jerk. Where this guy does not love... He does not want to use the internet ever. So he doesn't even know of the fact that these games are ever being announced. So every time a video comes up, I just waltz on over to the store, find the games... <laughs> Buy him for whatever price he give. Give him are. your give him your cell phone number. Put him no, put, no. get his phone. Put yourself on speed dial and tell him <laughs> when you get games in. Just call me. Uh, but it, it's it is amazing the effect. It, I think as our hobby grows and grows and more people get involved, obviously it, the the effect is seemingly pronounced. And I don't know of any way to stop it other than I mean do the minor things you can do right now that we're talking about. But it's inevitable, and I don't know how to stop that train. Yeah, yeah. just get on get on the train of buying. Some Everything. shitty five dollar games on <laughs> PS2 and Game Boy and stuff like that, and then you can be proud when the game goes up in price next there year for five hundred percent. Pizza famous saying is, "I'm glad I bought it when I bought it." <laughs> Heard say that at least a thousand times. There. I can't tell you how many times I go through my collection and I'm like, "Wait, this game is worth how much?" Because I just remember how much I paid for it and how much it's worth now. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, you know what you. You know what you could do as being the only person here with a large sphere of influence, please just start creating, you know, like, you know, obscured mineral games, YouTube's <laughs> list, but then pick the worst games ever so that when people buy them, it's they true. realize they're not good at all. So that'll teach them a lesson. Yeah. <laughs> well, let this be a lesson as the, the Flintstones thing of our really small, tight knit community of how fast those went off the shelves. And then imagine someone like Metal Jesus or whoever talking about them. It just kind of goes to show you, like, because just the other day I was looking for a Flintstones game. I was going to buy another copy, but it's like, dude, you can't even find a decently priced one right now. You're going to speed run two-handed? Yeah. <laughs> you'll see. You'll see what I have in store. But, um, I see what he's doing. His current version probably has some scratches on the disc, yeah. so he's, he's looking for one that I'm might load. for more excuses. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's, that's it. <laughs> Uh, well, I think we've reached the cap for this episode, um, so we'll have to hear the tales of the flea market another time, Futsvolgo. Because I remember you have some mm. interesting experiences there, but uh, it's oh, getting yeah. it's getting towards dinner time, I'm sure, for some of us here. Um, so yeah, that was a good episode, everybody. Hopefully, you enjoyed it. You know, let, sound off. Let us know in our streams. 
um, in discords, you know, let us know what your opinion is on this matter. Cause I'm sure it's a hotly, hotly debated subject right about now. So let us know what you think. It definitely doesn't die, especially since Meacham's will continue to bring it up. <laughs> yes. I, I will be there. You will Don't champion worry. it, I guess, if anything. I will. Meacham's. I will. But yeah, for anyone else out there, hopefully you enjoyed the show. We have the same contact information that we'll be using for any suggestions. So please feel free to send any questions, comments, suggestions, thoughts to retrogameexplorers at gmail.com. We'll be sure to answer them in kind. And if you want to find any of our channels, like if you're not familiar with uh, Futsvogel, Mia Chums, or Brunch, you can pop on to a channel that you're familiar with from one of the five of us and check out the stream team, which I'm hoping, I don't know how long that takes to get set up, but it should be pretty instant, hopefully. You can just click on that and it'll have links to all of our channels on Twitch. Alrighty. Now, everybody be quiet and let me and Chums close out the podcast. (laughs) More Halo? So there's this game in Halo. Okay. Everybody listen.